You're listening to Nightlight Radio Network. This is Dr. Bob Hieronymus, co-host of 21st Century Radio. We are happy to present this rebroadcast of our show on Nightlight. As far back as about, I think it was 1991, 21st Century Radio has been reporting on developments in cold fusion with dozens of updates from Gene Malov and others. But we have been talking about another energy genius for even longer. You can see portraits of one of our great heroes, Nikola Tesla, throughout our tape catalog of 1988, 21, 22 years ago. Our guest tonight is going to update us both on Nikola Tesla and the advancements in future energy. Dr. Thomas Vallone is a physicist and licensed professional engineer with 30 years of professional experience. He is a patent examiner, research engineer, instrumentation designer, and consultant on future energy developments. He is president and founder of Integrity Research Institute and the author of Zero Point Energy, The Fuel of the Future, The Homo Polar Handbook, and about 100 published reports and articles. He has appeared on CNN, A&E, and Discovery Channel as a frequent guest on Coast to Coast with our friend George Norrie. He served as guest editor for the most recent edition of Infinite Energy, the magazine of new energy science and technology founded by our dear friend, passed on, murdered actually, was Gene Malov. This issue is devoted to Nikola Tesla, and we're going to focus on these articles among other topics tonight. Welcome back to 21st Century Radio, Tom. Glad to be here. Hi, Bob. Tom, it's been 11 years. I'm surprised it's been that long. 11 years since... uh, you last joined us. Well, that's one of the problems of doing a weekly show. When we did daily shows, we could we could cover topics, all kinds of topics, repeatedly. But when you do them once a week, it changes everything. I understand. Now, Nikola Tesla, who was he and what did he accomplish? Well, Tesla was a Yugoslavian, and he um, established our AC electricity uh, system. Uh, that is uh, something that should be in the textbooks and taught to every school uh, child throughout America. And it is over in Europe. But uh, the United States has been sort of deprived of that for some reason. Edison dominates the electricity story, and yet it was the power of the currents, battle of the currents, actually, around the turn of the last century mm-hmm. that um, had Edison and Tesla go head-to-head um, for the Pan American exhibition, for example, Uh, in Chicago, and also there was one in Buffalo, my hometown, uh, where I actually had a chance to research uh, Tesla's history in Niagara Falls. What a great place to do it. Jeez, it is. Yeah, Uh, and to transmit electricity for 20 miles. Well, why why do you think mainstream science in this country has done all it can to ignore them? And they have done all they can to ignore them. Well, uh, really, when you look back at the history and that's how to answer this question. Um, and it gets answer, asked often, actually. Um, and, and you see the uh, battle between Tesla and J.P. Morgan. And there's a, a, a very interesting movie on uh, Tesla, that um, History of Tesla, that has um, um, uh, Orson Welles playing J.P. Morgan. Mm-hmm. And, and it's a very powerful movie, a biography of his life. And you get to this uh, confrontation after the Wardenclyffe Tower has been built in Long Island 
1903, and he's coming back for a little bit more money to finalize the project and transmit not only signals but power across the ocean. Um, J.P. Morgan then asked, well, how am I going to collect money from it? How can I put a meter on it, in other words? And Tesla had no answer because he didn't care. He was more interested in making power to the world, you know. That was his main uh, philanthropic uh, uh, goal. And, uh, and, of course, that became the falling out and the separation between the partnership that had built the tower. And then uh, we basically became victims of the umbilical cord uh, electrical grid that's cost billions to build and now is actually aging and, and causing problems. So uh, what I, I want to conclude the story with is um, uh, J.P. Morgan's uh, dictate to maybe three or four um, textbook publishers at the time, uh, around 1905, and he asked them to remove Tesla from their textbooks, from yeah. their history books. Mm -hmm. And it was easy to do. He just called them up, you know, called up a couple publishers, the only ones in existence for school books. And from then on, Tesla was left out of most of the um, information and the uh, history. Well, uh, that that was quite a shock to me when I first heard about this around 20-some years ago. I couldn't believe that I was so naive, Tom. I, <laughs> I actually believed the propaganda that, boy, man, if we had, if we had another system of uh, uh, energy systems out there, uh, that we would we would do everything we possibly could to bring them to the table and to expedite. But that, that's not at all what happened. Well, that's uh, a naive point of view. <laughs> yeah, it's your, well, you know, uh, I, I was one of those <laughs> guys that, that uh, I really felt that the, that the media was uh, <laughs> on our side, which certainly it, it was not. Yeah. Uh, and it depends on who owns the media, and yeah. that certainly is going to control everything. And as soon as... Uh, President Reagan, Reagan, Reagan gave uh, permission to uh, uh, for NBC to be owned by General Electric. That seemed to change absolutely everything in regards to our major be media being anything but a, a supporter. And of course, President Reagan worked for General Electric all those decades. It's strange that the media never brought that up. Yep. Now, Eugene Malov. Eugene Malov, uh, he was the founder of Infinite Energy magazine, was he not? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say, now he, he was murdered in 2004, and I don't believe um, those who were responsible were, were ever caught. It's a, right. a very, have you, have you learned anything more recently about uh, who may have murdered him? I haven't followed the story too much ever since uh, a decade ago when it happened, but it, it's really been a, a sad story, and, and certainly uh, we all miss his, um, his great uh, contribution to the field. He sure, fusion. sure. He was. Uh, I was introduced to him through a dear friend of mine, Christopher Bird. Remember Chris Bird? Yes, I do. Secret Life of Plants, Secrets of the Soil, and uh, the, uh, the Divining Hand, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he and Peter Tompkins. Uh, used to hang out together in good old Washington, D.C., uh, we would spend a good deal of time looking at, at, at new researchers. And, and, of course, if you know, you know Chris, you know what his home was like. I mean, every, every week uh, some, some major researcher was uh, living there, staying there, passing through or, or what have you. And uh, he was the person that really told me, if you want to uh, focus 
on alternative energies, Eugene Malov was the man to do that. Sure. Uh, and that's the, one of the reasons why, why at times we were able to support Infinite Energy magazine monetarily, because obviously it's something that, that needs more of it. Um, you, Eugene Malov, what would you say his major contribution was? Well, uh, he, he obviously was the um, um, speaking voice of the coal fusion community for many years. Infinite Energy magazine specialized in coal fusion information. But I also have to give him credit for $10,000 support of our first conference on future energy that was originally planned for the State Department and then got me fired from the uh, patent office and then was held at a local hotel in Bethesda, Maryland in 1999. Oh. Were you shocked about that? I mean, did it shock you that that would happen to you? Absolutely. It was a total surprise. We were planning for a year up to the month before, and then um, Bob Park, uh, oh, Bob Park. Uh, Physical Society, decided to devote every single week to the, a criticism of our uh, Future Energy Conference. Oh. And, uh, and the bad press became so onerous that the Department of Commerce, Department of Energy, and the State Department all uh, riled against me. And I was in Science Magazine, Nature Magazine, and, and basically labeled as a pseudoscientist. Well, because uh, I had one cold fusion speaker. Well, <laughs> that's amazing. Bob Park, Dr. Park, just, I'm just amazed at how much uh, he got away with. Exactly. I mean, he got yeah, away they with. They finally got rid of him at the APS. But it was about time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, as far as sponsoring his uh, <laughs> weekly uh, diatribe on. Internet. Oh yeah, I mean he was What's just he was just plain mean. He was just plain exactly. mean. Yeah. And you know we had a little prayer vigil. We had a little I, prayer vigil. Oh, remember when the tree fell on him? Yeah, yeah. He published my email to him, giving him symbolic analysis of why that tree fell on him. Oh, you yeah, know that was really that was. I mean, a, he he called himself Doctor Oak, and then an oak tree hit him. <laughs> I, I thought that was perfect justice. You know, yes. it was a universal um, yes, you know, karma was. coming back to him. Oh, I thought he kind of deserved it, but it's you know it's tough to get hit on the head with a tree. No, but anyway, I think it was yeah. a statement that needed to be made by somebody, yes. uh, since the media wasn't going to pay attention to it. No. Now. Infinite Energy magazine has really grown in, in the sense that it's a lot more than just cold fusion, as you mentioned a little earlier. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, and this major issue now on Tesla is, is a proof of it. Oh, oh it's fascinating. It's fantastic. This is issue number 89. It's right. called The Electrical Genius of Nikola Tesla and contains seven new original articles and one reprint of the Tesla's uh, paper and a letter. And uh, that's what I'd like to do now and go, uh, go down to some, some of these articles. And then I'd like to turn around and talk a little about some of the other things you personally have accomplished. Sure. Uh, uh, do you mind if I at least uh, give a plug for Infinite Energy magazine? Well, that, uh, the editor, yes. Christy, um, asked us in the email to do so, to drive, drive some um, traffic that way, hopefully. Well, of course we should do that. Um, infinite-energy.com is the website. Infinite with a hyphen, infiniteenergy.com. And for $6, they can get the latest issue, which is on the homepage. Just six bucks? That's right. Just six bucks for all of this information? That's right. Everything we're talking about now, anyone can go to the website, infinite-energy.com, and for $6, order the current issue. Well, this No start, obligation to get anything else. Uh, well, friends, once you get an issue, one issue, you're going to feel obligated because this is extraordinary stuff. It really is. And the other nice thing she did was to put the um, um, 
article, Fight to Preserve Tesla's Wardenclyffe Laboratory from Marion Macy, on the website in its entirety. Well, that, that was a, a real coup. That really was. Now, as we mentioned, there are seven new original articles, and then there's a, a, a reprint of the Tesla one. Let's start with uh, Marianne Macy's The Light of the Fight to Preserve, and sometimes I can read my writing, The Fight to Preserve Tesla's Wardenclyffe Laboratory. What can you tell us about this article? Well, the important part is, is the history, first of all. Very few people in the world know what Tesla did uh, in 1903 on Long Island with the Wardenclyffe Tower. Uh, even uh, Ph.D. electroengineers, uh, there's one, for example, at the University of Virginia who just wrote a biography of Tesla, and I sent him my book, Harnessing the Wheelwork of Nature, because he made the statement that no one in the world understands Tesla's wireless. So that's and, why we should ignore it, because no one understands it, right? <laughs> well, he was wrong in stating that, and you're right. It, it shouldn't be ignored just because of that, you know. <laughs> but, science has turned into scientism. I mean, it, well, excuse me. I better shut up here. You know, I well, get kind of worked up about this, Tom. Absolutely. I get emotional, too. Um, but to summarize for the listeners, the important part is that, first of all, you've got a tower with a dome on it, and, and uh, electroengineers start scratching their head trying to figure out what, what the heck that is because – We've been hypnotized to believe the Marconi single-wire tower is all that's necessary to transmit RF. Mm -hmm. And so we have line-of-sight transmission with transverse waves, thinking that's the only thing possible. Right. But instead, uh, Tesla went out to Colorado Springs for several years, proved that he could transmit energy around the world 50 years before Schumann ever discovered the Schumann resonance, eight cycles per second, of the Earth ionosphere cavity. And he proved that he could get 95% transmission efficiency instead of about the 33% currently we get with the National Electric Grid. Isn't that amazing, the 33%? We're, we're going to accept 33%. That's okay. And yeah. that's all we're ever going to get out of it, so don't worry about it. Yeah, we lose terawatts of energy because of the, trans, uh, the, the change in J.P. Morgan's uh, direction. Mm -hmm. And then we followed his lead. But the important part is, is here's a dome tower issuing longitudinal waves that are different than transverse waves. And that's the, the puzzling beginning where Edison said, oh, it doesn't behave like uh, Kirchhoff's laws. It doesn't obey Kirchhoff's laws, so I don't understand it, and therefore it can't work. Yeah, that's right. It shouldn't work if it doesn't obey that law. Yeah, if Edison doesn't understand it, must uh, you know, got to throw it out. So, um, so the important part is, is, is after 14 years, uh, they, they destroyed the tower. The building is still there, built by a famous architect. And, and the um, hope is for, for hundreds of people now that are supporting the um, uh, Tesla Science Center at Wardenclyffe, P.O. Box 552, Shoreham, New York, 11786. Um, that's the address for any donations to this cause which will be matched by another private donor up to $850,000 to buy the property and turn it into a museum. You mean if somebody donates $850,000, this other person's going to donate 850000 Yes, yes, that's the maximum. God bless their soul. Mm -hmm. God bless them. Are, they, are you allowed to say who that is, or they just want it to be anonymous? Um, it's um, uh, Councilman Alessi has discussed the possibility of making six months to a year bridge loan to match the 850000 from New York State. So it is New York State that's providing it, and there's hope that either donations or the loan or combination thereof 
will provide the uh, $1.7 million they need to buy the property. Well, we're just going to have to award in New York State, one of the best states in the United States of America, just on that alone. I'm not even biased about that. Sure. But they, can, they can also go to, excuse me for interrupting, uh, teslasciencecenter.org. TeslaScienceCenter.org. All one word, yep, to get all the information about their plans to preserve and resurrect this project. We need to take our first break of Tom, and we'll be back with Dr. Tom Vallone, the electrical genius of Nikola Tesla and electromagnetic healing devices, a special issue of Infinite Energy magazine. (laughs) Tom Vallone served as guest editor of this issue, and you can read more about him at IntegrityResearchInstitute.org. Subscribe to Infinite Energy magazine by calling 603-485-4700, or on their website at infinite-energy.com. And we have covered the Infinite Energy magazine. The latest edition was the electrical genius of Nikola Tesla and his electromagnetic healing devices. But Tom Ballone himself is a legend in his own time. And we're going to touch on some of the things that he's, been, that he's accomplished over the past several decades. As a matter of fact, before we touch on that, 15 years ago, you were the originator and technical consultant for the well-known documentary that has won several awards, Free Energy, The Race to Zero Point. How did you get started in this field, Tom? Um, actually, it was around 1980, and I tell the story in my new book, The Future of Energy and Emerging Science, and I'll send you a few copies to be able to give away. That would be great. And um, it was actually in 1980. Um, I became interested in a, a magnetic motor that was out in the West Coast in California called the Sunburst Machine. And it was um, described in a book um, called The uh, Sunburst Return of the Ancients by Norman Paulson, who recently passed away. <clears throat> and it was a strange book because it combined yoga and also UFOs and described uh, the fact that this uh, magnetic motor could provide electricity and anti-gravity. So, of course, as a young scientist, I was very interested. I called up the community and uh, got permission to come out to visit. And it took me a couple days before they would show me the motor. And then I went back and decided, hey, I'm going to build one of these. So I convinced my professor at the University of Buffalo Physics Department to let me decide on what master's degree project I could do rather than the usual the professor dictates what uh, conventional stuff you're supposed to build to get a master's degree. So I was happy enough to uh, at least test the motor for back torque, and then I became sort of a regular every year ever since. I've been attending conferences and giving talks and really become an advocate for free energy. Well, let's talk a little bit about Integrity Research Institute, or IRI. When did it get started, and how did it get started? What's its mission? Well, it, it got started around 1990, and then it changed names in 2000 to reincorporate uh, so that we could become a 501c3 charitable organization. And its mission really is to uh, research scientific integrity in the areas of energy, propulsion, and bioenergetics. And that has been uh, program areas for all three for many years now. And so we have proposals and products and reports and books devoted to energy, propulsion, and bioenergetics. Well, how much integrity is there in science dealing with energies? <laughs> well, mean, that's what we're trying to distill. <laughs> the 95% or so that you have to sift through the sifter in order to find it. 
But I'm happy to say that the um, Center for Science and the Public Interest and also the Union for Concerned Scientists both have a scientific integrity program. Now, last, so we're in good company in the Washington, D.C. area. I mean, you sure are, and especially now since the um, X conference and UFOs is all going to be taking place in Washington, D.C. this spring. Again, I think it's May, in the beginning of May somewhere. Sure. Uh, that, uh, at, 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 um, was that the press office? Is that the press office? Well, they're going to have it at the National Press Club, and Nassau, you should come yeah. to it, Bob, really. I, uh, well, this is a historic occasion. They normally have the... The press conference way up in Gaithersburg, but now they have the National Press Club as the center. Yeah. And a lot of media show up. It's the it's the most well-attended event, I would say, in the Washington, D.C. area that's non-political. Well, we're looking forward to it. We, As a matter of fact, we, our guest last week, is that right, Dr. Cortner, was our guest last week? Uh, yes. Um, Stephen Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen. Brother Stephen talked to us about it. And, and, we, and by the way, we hadn't had Stephen on the show for nine years. I mean, yeah, I'll tell you. Um, so, but you mentioned the last hour something happened in 1999 uh, with the State Department when you were put together the conference for, on future energy, right. um, and um, then lost your job at the patent office because of it. Is that because there's a, a lot of integrity there going on? Well, the uh, U.S. government may have a problem with that area because. Um, essentially, they're driven by the media, yeah. and and now, of course, corporations are going to get into the push as well. Oh, corporations uh, wouldn't do anything like that. No, of course not. But the important thing for my uh, experience directly was that I saw politicians and and government workers with PhDs who should be full of integrity and honesty. Uh, basically, uh, what I learned is the word mendacity. Mm-hmm. Um, mendacity is, is a little bit beyond making fabricated uh, stories. It means you, you, you actually are professional at doing so. <laughs> yeah, well, they are. As you, as I'll never forget that conference at Johns Hopkins. I'm trying to remember the year, but I can't. My mind's being blocked on that right now. I got so upset by uh, what was going on when they put down cold fusion to absolutely, right. you know, the, they zilched it, literally. Uh, and then they lied. They, they, they were caught in lies, but it made no difference in the Maryland area because Johns Hopkins, you know, you know Johns Hopkins, and I've been affiliated with that institution for 40 years. Yeah, more, in fact, I'll be there in February, just uh, next month, for the Space Power uh, Energy Symposium. Well, maybe we can get together on that. Yeah, I'm giving a paper on the magnetic motor that I've developed. Hey, that, wow, that, at, at Hopkins? Yes, Jen Hopkins. Well, it's about time. Gosh, they're waking up there. Now, electrogravitics and electrokinetics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've written two books on these, presented at, at various aeronautics and space conferences about it. Tell us a little bit about the importance of these books. Well, the exciting part of, of electrogravitics one and two, um, electrogravitic systems and electrogravitics volume two is that I'm, I'm, first of all, giving credit to Townsend Brown for his work in developing electrokinetics. Wow. And, and this is perhaps a, um, a, a mislabeling of the um, process and the uh, science that he developed, but I'm historically recognizing the um, um, Institute, uh, Aviation Studies Institute in London um, who back in 1954 actually um, authored a couple of reports on electrogravitics, which are re- reprinted in the first volume. So that's the starting point of a very intriguing aerospace or aerodynamics um, um, movement. 
mm-hmm. and, and push to develop a different type of propulsion. And something strange happened a few years after that, before 1960, where all of that uh, information was no longer available. Um, and Townsend Brown and also his um, uh, colleague, Bonson, started to produce patents on electrokinetics, but they left electrogravitics behind. Oh. Uh, you only see that mentioned in the first patent, um, the British patent, and, and it's um, a process that depends on mass. Well, to, to put a long story short, there's a story that's reprinted in Volume 2 that is uh, How I Control Gravity by Townsend Brown, and it has a very intriguing series of experiments, uh, all of which involve um, pretty heavy pendulum type of uh, suspended masses. And in one case, he's got 44-pound masses uh, on either side of a bar, a glass bar, suspended by a, a string or a rope, and, and he adds a pulse of electricity, and, and it starts to turn. <clears throat> and he describes the entire current path, so you can tell which way the electricity is going. And he's intrigued and puzzled by the fact that it goes back to the starting point immediately afterwards. He said, even though the electricity is still being applied. Mm-hmm. So he basically went to his grave never figuring out why that was happening. And what I did is I put together all of these anomalous stories that I had accumulated ever since 1980, where I, I went over to Germany and actually represented De Palma for the homopolar motor that I was building, homopolar generator, and I wrote a book on that. Um, but the important part is that um, I, I met Zinser, for example, who had a pulsed electricity um, propulsion system, and we actually published a, um, a book on, on Zinser's um, uh, electrodynamic uh, propulsion system. And, and there's several other examples of, of pulse propulsion that have never been correlated, would you say? Well, the, the solution to that turns out to be Dr. Jeff Menko, the same one I mentioned earlier who wrote a book on electrostatic motors. He wrote another book on causality that includes the electrokinetic equation. And I even wrote to him afterwards. I said, why did you call it electrokinetic equation? Did you know Townsend Brown produced a whole bunch of patents on electrokinetics? And he didn't. This was a parallel path inventors, two of which worked on the same thing, solved the same problem, and one's got the equation, the other's got the experiment, and they never talked to each other. Holy cow. And, and, And the equation predicts that a pulse of current will produce a force, but the sustained current or sustained voltage will not. It'll be a very weak force. Mm-hmm. So pulsed electrokinetics is now a new form of propulsion. And the interesting thing is uh, I've, I've been at, um, for example, the uh, uh, Utah Space um, uh, Society conference in a panel um, with some very prominent um, uh, NASA folks. And um, uh, Zubrin, for example, was one of them. And, and of course, they questioned all this electrogravitics, couldn't believe it, and, and so forth. And then I asked one of the contractors, aerospace contractors, to stand up in the audience, and he announced, who I'd met the night before, of course, and he announced to the audience, he said, I levitated a hockey puck. Oh. And, of course, Zubrin <laughs> and the rest, all the skeptics shut up after that. <laughs> <laughs> and it was an asymmetric capacitor. He applied pulse to high voltage and levitated. <laughs> Boy, that seldom happens in life. Um, but, you know, the actually have... <laughs> Have some confirmation right away when you needed it. Uh, last week, we were one of the topics we covered was a book dealing with contactees, UFO contactees, mm-hmm. and the, one of the few that um, Chris Bird and Peter Tompkins had 
great admiration for was George Van Tassel. Right. Thank uh, you, too. Is there any connection of your research to Van Tassel's research and his uh, Integratron? Absolutely. In fact, I discuss that in the new book, Future of Energy. Um, I've given lectures. Uh, in fact, there is a, a videotape, for example, a DVD, I'm sorry, um, called Future Energy, and that specifically has a presentation I've given um, on this subject, uh, energy technologies of UFOs. Because I was so surprised that in, ever since 1980, you know, the UFO theme has kind of followed me, um, and, and I even went to Stephen Bassett's uh, X conference and gave the same presentation. So to put a long story short, Van Tassel was the um, source of information for Norman Paulson's book, Sunburst, Return of the Ancients, and all of his UFO experiences. Uh, Van Tassel was able to attract UFOs even in daytime, and the photographs are uh, shown actually in my book and also his book. Um, but the exciting part is he had direct contact as well, or so he says, and that's how he built the Integratron. Well, the two things that came out of the Van Tassel work are uh, basically the instructions to, to uh, Paulson to build a magnetic motor, but also the Integratron seems like it's designed, and I've been there and photographed it and talked to the owners now, it seems like an inverted Tesla coil. And it's very exciting to be inside it because you see the unfinished work of a coil that's designed to be primary and secondary underneath the floor of a very perfectly hemispheric uh, acoustic chamber. Well, Tesla was used to the little, uh, I used to call them, well, I think they're called ball lightning, but they're balls of plasma. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, that was one of the interesting things about the, the book on contactees, actually showing these ball lightning inside of the Integraton. I had a photograph of it in that. So um, do you have a copy of that book on contactees? No, I don't. Um, but I've seen those types of photographs even around crop circles uh, being formed. Um, mm -hmm. Well, if you're interested in the copy, let us know. We'll send you sure. one in here. Um, gosh, we're almost out of time here. What did Al Gore tell you when you met with him? He basically said that um, uh, when I was um, indicating that the increased carbon dioxide from global warming would not increase the growth of trees, according to a recent study, he said he already knew that. Oh, um, and I so see. I criticized him for not announcing it to the to the public. Mm -hmm. uh, but of course, uh, there's lots of other things we talked about too. Oh, well, I'm sure <laughs> he's a great man. Really, is a great man. Now, do, do you think that the U.S. government is hiding advanced energy or propulsion technology that could solve the global global warming or the global cooling crisis? Or the energy crisis? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I've I've had several examples, and I tell stories uh, in this new. Uh, Video actually is another one called The World Needs a New Energy, mm -hmm. uh, which I also have. It's available from lightworksav.com uh, that also uh, indicates these stories. Uh, Frank Mead, for example, the director, former director of the Air Force Research Lab. Uh, I tell a story about his life and what he experienced and the suppression he experienced throughout yeah. his career. Yeah. Well, um, more recently, of course, the situation with General Motors. And I'm sure you've seen the DVD, Who Killed the Electric Car? Absolutely. Oh. We pre presented actually that at the um, 2000, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the 2006 Conference on Future Energy. Mm -hmm. And we even brought um, uh, Chelsea Sexton here to Beltsville, Maryland. Wonderful lady. Just yep. wonderful lady. The greatest red hair in the world. Yep. Uh, brilliant. Just, just 
dedicated. I mean, these people are really dedicated. And, of course, what most people are unaware of, and we try to let people uh, introduce people to the, what General Motors was doing as they purchased the Hummer and decided that that was the way to go and, and to eliminate all their electrical cars. Now they're rebuilding them. Absolutely. Uh, interesting karma. I sure. Th- it's just too bad that the guys that really got away with this uh, back there in 90, early 90s uh, are, are still in power, which really gets me sometimes. Yeah. But I, I really think, Bob, that as we um, do come across with uh, um, breakthroughs, which I'm happy to say I've signed in a couple NDAs, so I'm, I'm confident that we do have energy breakthroughs that are just around the corner, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're being tested right now in, in major laboratories. That, that once we do, those other uh, automobile companies and oil companies, they're going to be very powerless when people have independent portable power. And do you think that that's one of the reasons why some of this stuff is just either ignored or uh, refused to be looked at? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Chain Reaction, the movie yeah. with Keanu Reeves and Morgan yeah. Freeman, it's a good example where they have the confrontation. And Morgan Freeman says, you know, as the banker, uh, free energy, normal concept, but what about the economic impact? You know, uh, markets would fail all over the world and everything. So, and who, you know, cares, <laughs> yeah, who cares about the poor people? Well, who cares about people? I mean, <laughs> they're not important. I mean, that's the important. As we might might be able to watch a little bit more of that as uh, with our the kind of Supreme Court that we have, and, and that's going to be one terrible battle in the, in the years to come. Uh, I think we can all see that, and it's going to be a toughie too. Dr. Thomas Vallone, thank you for joining us again. Well, and uh, why don't be so scarce? Okay. Uh, every eleven years. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's our fault. Listeners, okay. that's our fault because we have too many people trying to get on the show, and we try to stretch it out over a period of time, but it's not an easy thing to do. Thank you for joining us, and of course, uh, if you want to reach uh, the Integrity Research Institute dot org, we suggest you go to that website, Integrity Research Institute dot org, and also subscribe to the Infinite Energy Magazine by calling six zero three four eight five forty seven hundred or on their website, Infinite Dash Energy dot com. Twenty first Century Radio is produced by Hieronymus and Company. Our executive producer and research assistant is Laura Cortner. I'm Dr. Bob Hieronymus, and remember, shine your shoes and get a haircut.